Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. We are in week two of a series that is our theme for the year. It's called Word and Spirit. It's just something that I felt God uh, spoke to me about last year for this year that we really need to have both of those things in our life. I don't know if you've ever visited a church uh, that is so passionate about the Word, but they have no expression of the Spirit. And to be honest, guys, it's a little dry. You know, it's, it's a little dry. I don't know if you've ever experienced that. And then you go to some places and they are flowing in the Spirit, maybe drowning in the Spirit, but they're flowing in the Spirit and it's wild, but they don't actually balance it with what the Word says, so it gets a little wild, yeah? So what do we want? Well, we don't want it to be dry. We don't want it to be wild. I, I, I think we need the Word and the Spirit in our lives. And that's meant to bring us to a place of maturity. And not just maturity, but we want people to experience the reality of the presence of God because He's real and He's here. And I think that when God's people gather together, that's exactly what we want to see. And so today, I want to share a message with you that's called, How Do You Know God Is Speaking To You? How do you know that God is speaking to you? It's an important thing to understand when God is speaking to you because you make decisions in life based on that, right? Right. I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but if someone's left a voicemail message on your phone and you answer it and listen to it and it says, hey, it's me, call me back. And you're like, I have no idea who that is. Have you ever had that? I feel bad about that. I feel bad because somebody has my number. I obviously don't have theirs. I don't know how they got it. And then they've left a voicemail message and they're thinking, you know, Pastor Ben, he doesn't even care about me because I left that guy a message two weeks ago and they're getting offended. I don't, I, guys, I would have returned it had I known who it was that said, hey, it's me, you know. I actually had a friend of mine, um, you know, last year, he, he called me and he'd moved countries. So he was living in another country at the time and he called at a time that I did not expect. So it caught me a little off guard. And when I uh, answered the phone, I said, hello. And he goes, hey, mate. And I'm like, hey, hey, you, right? And we felt like that. And I thought, you know, I didn't want to say immediately that I didn't know who it was because they were obviously like, you'll know who I am. No, I didn't. And so I was, I was hoping, I gave them just enough room because what I'm hoping they're going to do is give themselves away. Like if they said something like, hey, church was amazing on Sunday, I'd be like, okay, they go to church, narrow the focus. All right, now I know a little bit more about who they are. And they're a guy. So 50% of the you know, population at church I can you know, disregard. And so I'm trying to narrow the focus. But, but I, I was talking to this guy for a little while and I felt bad. I, I, so I wasn't going to go along too long because it's even worse if you've been speaking for five minutes and then you say, yeah, so who is this anyway? So I, I just thought, look, up front and gonna be honest and let you know I said I said hey who is this and he said mate it's it's me and he tells me his name and I was like oh man I felt terrible about that I was like I should have recognized your voice but I didn't I didn't recognize it and I would have responded differently had I known who was speaking to me I wonder how many Christians have felt like they're in that exact position you might have responded differently if you really knew who it was that was speaking to you. I feel like in church, one of the challenges that we have, it's not necessarily an obedience issue. 
One of the challenges that we have is a hearing problem. It's like if we knew that it was God, absolutely God, it was the Spirit of God that spoke to us, then we would act on what we heard. I think part of the problem is sometimes we hear something and we have no idea if that's God. What do we need? We need discernment. We need to be discerning about who it is that's speaking. And so I want to read a scripture to you out of Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's an internal renewal, not something on the outside, but something on the inside. That by testing, I wonder how many of you are comfortable with doing a little testing and trying to figure out whether it's God that's speaking to you. That by testing, you may, what? Discern. The word for discern in the original language means to prove, to examine and to approve of the word that's being spoken. It says that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I feel like this is where people get stuck sometimes. At this moment right now, where they've heard something, the Spirit's been doing a work in them, but they're not really quite sure if that was the Spirit that was speaking. Was that really you, God, or was that last night's pizza? I don't know. I just know that if I'm going to make a decision, I better be really clear on what I'm supposed to be doing. The church has the responsibility to express the heart of God. That's part of what we do. Now, when I talk about the church, I know that, you know, especially if you're new, when I talk, speak about the church, I'm not talking about a building. I realise that as Christian people, we have to own that we have made it confusing for you if you don't go to church very often by saying, I'm going to church. We've made people think it's a building. It's not, it's people. You know, the word, the Greek word is ekklesia, and that means God's called out community. It's God's people. So the church is really God's people. And the church is set apart for a holy and designated purpose. Whenever something is set apart by God for something, we say that it's sanctified. It's a work of the Spirit again that is setting things apart for a very specific purpose that God has. The church is meant to reflect the heart of God. And when we do that practically, we call that ministry, right? Okay, here's what I think about ministry is that we are all meant to be doing ministry. It's not something that the senior pastor is supposed to do. You're not supposed to watch leaders do it. You are supposed to do it. I think if you're a follower of Jesus, you are called to do ministry, to be practical with your faith, to outwork it in some way. But whenever you do that, you will always do it out of the revelation that you have about God. You will always do it out of what you believe God is saying. So ministry reflects your revelation of who God is. In other words, what I'm saying to you is that we all act out of what we think. And if we're supposed to reflect the heart of God, we have to understand the truth of God in order to reflect the heart of God. Does that make sense? Okay, to like half of you. Well, it's good. This is a good word. It is true. So what are we, when we start to talk about what we know to be true about God or what we believe to be true about God, we actually call that theology. Now, everyone's got a theology. You're here today. You're not a Christian. You don't think anything you know, in the Bible is true. Okay, that's your theology. 
Your theology is your belief system about God. So we've all got some, we've all got one, but some are informed and others are not informed. And where do we get our information about the heart of God? We get it from the Word. And so the more we become familiar with the Word of God, the more it informs our theology. The better our theology is, the more accurately we reflect the heart of God. And when we do that really well and we do it in ministry, we make a significant difference on planet Earth. We've got to figure out what His will is for people. I remember in a season in my life where I was trying to figure out what God's plan and purpose was for me. See, my job here at church, the calling that's on my life is to, in part, along with my wife and our team of leaders, is to help lead Bright Church. And I want to do it really well. I want to be successful at doing this because I believe this is what God has called me to do. Wouldn't it be horrific if I was so focused on succeeding in an area that God had not called me to, to do? Imagine if, if I was so focused on succeeding at something that God didn't want me to do. And I wonder how many people I just don't actually know what God is really saying to them so instead of pursuing the call of God that's on their life, they're doing a whole bunch of things and maybe even highly successful at them. Maybe you're highly successful in business, but you're actually called to ministry. Maybe you're in ministry, full-time ministry, working in the church, but you're actually called to business. I don't know. It could go either way. But my point is, if you're going to put all the energy and effort into something in your life, you better make sure that it's actually what God wants you to do, or you could could spend your life pursuing something that God at the end of your life says that's you did great it just wasn't really what I wanted you to do now I don't know about you but I want to do what God wants me to do what does that mean that means I've got to hear his voice in order to respond to it right so many years ago I remember working in recruitment and um, my pastor at the time came to me and he said, listen, um, I've been thinking that you should come on staff at, at this church. And I realized back then that that was gonna be a really significant decision for me to make because it meant that my, <laughs> my salary from being in recruitment to being a pastor was very, very different. And at the exact same time that all of this is unfolding, we were about to have a baby, our first baby. Now, luckily for me, a few weeks before my pastor spoke to me, I'd actually had a word from God. And he said, hey, as you guys birth something in the natural, right, you, I'm going to birth something supernatural in your life. So I thought to myself, well, um, you know, I feel like God's already spoken to me about this. So when I was asked to do it, I'd already heard from God on it. And it just made my decisions so much easier. I mean, I knew I was going to make sacrifices and there's, there was all things that had to be worked out. But at the end of the day, I felt, no, this is what God wants me to do. So I made the transition from working in you know, secular employment to coming on staff and, and being at the church. Well, for, fast forward a, a couple of years and my pastor wants another meeting with me. What's going to happen this time? We actually did have a few meetings in between. But anyway, it's not the point. So we sit down and, I, and he says, listen, God's been speaking to me. I said, okay. He said, I feel like God is calling me to go itinerant and to go preaching, uh, you know, in different churches. I said, okay, this sounds exciting. Uh, you know, and he said, I believe that God is calling you to actually become the senior pastor of this church along with Sarah. I think God is wanting you guys to do it. And I said, okay. And I, I, I felt... Um, 
at peace about it. I said, yeah, that, I, I, I get a sense of that. But, you know, what do I really want? I want to make sure I hear from God on that topic. Because, you know, if you're going to lead a church, you better hear from God on it. All right. So, so I wanted to really be clear. I go home that day and I remember walking into our house and, um, you know, Sarah was in the kitchen and I said, Sarah, you're not going to believe what happened today. I said, Corey asked me to take over the church. Can you believe it? And she goes, yeah, I already knew about this. I said, what are you talking about? She goes, God spoke to me about this a couple of weeks ago and I've just been waiting for you to say it. And I was like, are you kidding? I was like floored, right? You know what I said? Well, why didn't you tell me about it, sweetheart? It would have made things a lot easier in that moment. But she said, no, I already knew this was happening. And so there's these confirmation, these words, these things that mean that we're not actually, not only are we not caught off guard, but we know that we're on track with how we're going. Well, at that point, everything was going along swimmingly. Everything was great. And we were having these little meetings, you know, I'm going to take over the church. So myself, Pastor Corey, Pastor Simone, Pastor Sarah, you know, we're, we're all meeting and talking about this stuff. And, and then we decided we were going to tell the staff next Tuesday. We've got to let people know because things are happening. Pieces are moving. We need to let them know. Let the staff know. So the Thursday before that Tuesday, my pastor gives me a, a call and he goes, hey, mate, I've just... I've got something really exciting to share. And I was like, oh my gosh, what does that mean? Like, <laughs> exciting, what does that mean? What does it mean when somebody that's really prophetic, prophetic says, I've got something exciting, it could mean anything. I don't, I don't know what he's gonna say, right? And I said, it's exciting. And he said, yeah, I said, well, I don't wanna go past today. So come on, let's, it's a Thursday night, something's open. Let's go and sit down and have a conversation. So we go out, we have a conversation, we sit down and he says, well, I've been chatting to a pastor and this guy uh, has led some really large churches and he's actually willing to take on this church, our church, as a campus, right? And I'm like, yeah, like, yeah. Like, do you mean, do you mean the one that, you, that I'm meant to be leading? Yeah. And he goes, what do you think about that? I said, what do I think about it? I mean, when you get things from God, sometimes you hold them loosely. You hold them loosely until you go, actually, this really is God. But eventually, you gotta, you got to close your grip on that. Yeah. I said, what do I think? I said, I think we're about to tell the staff on Tuesday that I'm leading the church. What, do you, what am I supposed to think? I said, I don't know what to think. I said, I respect you. I know you're here from God. But I said, I don't know what to think. I said, I'll tell you what I want to do. I want to meet this guy. So I go out and have coffee with this guy. And he's, he looks at me and he says to me, um, hey, this must be a, a bit difficult for you, you know, realizing that it could become a campus and, you know, it's going that direction. And I said, mate, mate, mate. Whoa. I said, hey, I said, we're meeting together so that I can discern whether God is in this. Because if God is not in this, then neither am I, all right? And that'll be my feedback, all right? And he goes, oh, right, right. In the course of our conversation, just because of a few different things, I felt like the Holy Spirit said, no way, this is really not this is wrong. So I walked away from that conversation and I called my pastor and I said, I said to him, I said, listen, I've just met with him. We've had coffee and let me tell you, I reckon that is wrong. I said, I'm serious. I've never felt so strongly about this, about something in all my life. That is not of God. And he said to me, I am so glad that you said it. He said, I woke up feeling sick this morning, hoping you were going to call and say that exact thing. Forget it. This was crazy. <laughs> Let's never speak of this again. Now I'm preaching about it. Yeah, telling everyone, 
right? He's probably at his own church doing his own thing. It's all right. He's not watching. So, so you know, he said, let's never speak of this again, right? You're taking over the church with Pastor Sarah. You guys are senior pastors. That is it, right? And I'm like, I mean, geez, like sometimes being in ministry, it is a bit of a roller coaster, guys, but I haven't even got the job yet. And just getting there was a bit of a roller coaster, right? And the only thing that made it start to smooth out for me was the fact that I had heard the voice of God and I felt a conviction in my heart that that was the right thing because nothing could be worse than saying yes and being in ministry when I was meant to be in business or something else. Listen, I don't want to succeed in life at something I'm not called to do. So when I'm trying to figure out what I'm called to do, when you are trying to figure out what you're called to do, what do you do? You've got to listen to the Spirit of God because once you know what the Spirit has said, you can do what the Spirit has asked. Amen? I wonder how many of you have just thought to yourself, was that the Spirit? Like how many times have you had something, you're praying about something and you think you get an answer and you're like, but is that really you? I wonder how many times that has happened to you in your life. I think for most of us, it's happened a lot where we're like, I think it's you, God, but I'm not 100% sure. And you're just trying to refine and, and narrow that voice. Well, the Spirit of God speaks many languages. One of the things that the Spirit of God does is He speaks in the language of dreams and visions. So sometimes you get a dream. Dreams happen when you're a... Visions happen when you're a... Right, so you could be asleep, you could be awake. Dreams, visions. Sometimes He'll speak to you in your mind. It might be a thought. It's like He speaks to you and you just know that it's God. Sometimes you might even just get an impression. And because of that impression, it's so strong, you just know something. Sometimes that's how it happens. You didn't know something, and then you just know something. <laughs> it's really just God. There are times where God speaks to people audibly. Now, I've never had that, but some people do. And so there's all these different things, ways that God speaks to us. And we're trying to figure out, is that really, is that really you? Now, the church has a very specific job. I already spoke about that. Our job is to reflect the heart of God and to do what He's asked us to do. But we have a spiritual enemy that spends his focus and his energy trying to separate us from whatever that is. Okay, so we know that there is a spiritual battle that's going on. And, and, and let me tell you right now, the enemy of your soul has a few weapons in his arsenal, right? He's got a few things that he uses pretty regularly. One of those things is shame. Oh gosh, if he can make you feel that sense of shame, he'll separate you from your purpose. Why? Because you don't even want to come into the presence of God. And what will you do? You will run from whatever that is. And how many people do you know that have a real calling on their life, but because of some, maybe some negative experience that's brought up or something, they, they just run from the call of God, right? That's what's happening. He's severing that line of communication. So sometimes it's, Guilt. Sometimes it's shame. Those two things work very well. But one of his strategies, I believe, is to create enough noise in your heart, in your mind, that he drowns out the voice of God. Yeah? yeah? yeah. All right. Have you ever been at a party? And I, look, I got to admit something. The older I get, to realize it is harder to hear in a noisy room. It just happens, okay? And you're, you're in a noisy room or there's music pumping or something like that. 
and someone's mouth is moving and you're in a conversation, but you have no idea what they're saying. And you faked it, didn't you? Yep, you were going, oh, yeah, there you go, right? And you were like, oh, okay. And you're catching every fourth or fifth word and you're like, I think I can piece this together, right? And then what happens? They just stop and you go, they asked me a question and I have no idea what's happening right now. And you go, can I just get that last bit one more time, right? And you're, and you're, you're straining to hear, right? Do you, like, and I don't know why, for whatever reason, whenever you're trying to strain to hear, you squint. It's weird. Don't, it's not helpful. You're like, right? You squint. There's no, that's not helpful. Your eyes do one job, your ears do another. So anyway, you squint, you lean forwards. What do you say, right? And then, and then you're like, I think I can hear you, right? And the reason you can't hear them is why? There's too many other voices in the room. Yeah. And it drowns out their voice. Now, this is what happens to the people of God. There are too many voices. There's too much noise. How many Christians do you know that believe in God and profess that they have faith and they're filled with anxiety because there is so much going on beneath the surface in their life, too many voices that they can't even focus on what God is trying to say? Really? Really? I wonder how many people have come into church and what are we meant to do? I, I think that whenever we come to church and we hear the preaching of the Word or maybe we're just standing in worship, I believe that God can speak to you. But for some people, they come in and just being in a room full of people, they have agoraphobia or something like that. And in all honesty, they're standing in the room, but on the inside, they're panicking. On the inside, what's happening? They're like, what is he thinking? What are they saying? Oh my gosh, I hope I don't get into a conversation. What would I say? I spoke to that person before. Oh, that was so stupid. Why did I say that? They'll probably think I'm an idiot, right? They don't think that, right? What's going on in you? Too much noise. Do you know what I've discovered the enemy loves to do? He loves to feed you your fears in that moment and create so much sound, so much noise around you that it drowns out what the speaker is saying. It drowns out what the worship is saying because you're just focused on all the wrong things. It's all about distraction. And I reckon there are plenty of people that are Christian people that are living their life full of distraction because the noise around them and the noise in them is far too great. What are we supposed to do? We're supposed to keep the noise out so that we can hear His voice clear. Amen? Yeah. All right. How about this? Did you know that when they were building the temple, the temple was meant to be built in silence. They said they didn't want to hear the sound of a hammer, an axe or a tool of iron. So when they were building the temple, and this is Old Testament now, when they're building the temple, they would make the stones and everything at the quarry and then they would bring it to the temple and they start to build it there. Why? Well, I don't know, maybe the priests were in there and they were trying to pray someone swinging a hammer. It's pretty hard. <laughs> You're like, dear Lord, ding. You know, it's like, guys, come on, I'm trying to hear the voice of God. You know, it's like you can't concentrate with there's too much noise. So make it out there and then make sure it's silent in here. Because if it's quiet in the temple, you can hear clearly, right? Okay, well, one of the things we understand about the Bible is in the Old Testament, it's often a shadow of what God reveals in the New Testament. So sometimes in the Old Testament, you see things and you think, yeah, that is a little weird. I don't get it. And you don't get it until its purpose is revealed in the New Testament. You with me so far? All right, let's do this. 
in the Old Testament, the temple was a building. Yes. In the New Testament, the temple is a person. It's people. It's you. It's me. We are the temple of God. Why? God comes and lives in us. Paul writes about this. Don't you understand? You are a temple for the presence of God. And what's my whole point? As I'm saying, you are the new temple. And if you've got so much noise going on inside of you, if you're always filled with worries, concerns and anxiety, you know, God speaks, but it's immediately drowned out by a sea of voices to make sure that the communication lines between you and the Holy Spirit are severed so that you never actually do what you're supposed to be doing. It's hard to say yes to God when you don't know what He said. And what do people do? It's like stalemate, isn't it? They just don't, are not quite sure. So they're not doing anything. And the enemy would love for you to do nothing, by the way. I'll just add that in. He would love for you to do nothing and love for you to, to, to not make a difference. Now, I'll, I'll tell you that there is a few voices that will speak into your life. One of them is God's. But then the noise comes. The noise is meant to drown out the voice of God. So God speaks a word and you hear it, but immediately you are filled with all kinds of thoughts about that. And your thoughts do what? Sometimes talk you out of what God just said, right? And so you heard it and then you're like, oh, it probably wasn't, probably wasn't, probably wasn't. So you don't what? Test, prove, examine, approve. You don't do that because you're like, no, no, no. It's just too much noise. I don't know. I, I, I would feel stupid if I acted on this. I would feel silly if I said that to that person. Really, God sent you to help some other person. You're like, no, 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 no. That can't be right. You know, that's one of those voices is from you. So honestly, sometimes you are your own worst enemy. But you're not short of enemies because you've got one called the devil and he loves to do the same thing. And so what happens? Spirit of God speaks to you. And then what does the enemy of your soul do? He says, don't believe that. That is not true. That's not true. Don't believe what you just heard. And he'll start to feed you your fears. Why? Oh, to drown out the voice of the Spirit. Because when the voice of the Spirit is drowned out, it starts to sever that communication so you don't actually know what's, what God's saying and what He's not saying. And sometimes the difference between these voices can be so quick. You hear God one minute and you hear something pretty wrong the next. It's even in the Bible. I'll tell you about it. This is a story with Jesus. He's walking with his disciples. And as they're walking, Jesus says to Peter, who do you say I am? It's a very important question. You all need to answer that at some point. Many of you have. He says, who do people say I am? And he says, well, you know, some say this, some say that. He says, I say that you are the Christ, you know, the Holy One of Israel. And Jesus says to him, Blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. I say you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it, and I'll give you the keys to the kingdom, da-da-da-da-da, right? So what is the rock that it built on? Well, let's understand something very important. The rock is not Peter. I know, his name, Simon means pebble. Peter means rock. Little play on words but the church is not built on Peter. You kidding me? There's a, there's a big group of people out there that believe this, everyone, but we're not gonna talk about that today. But, but I'll tell you right now, the rock is what? Revelation. Yeah. Because he had revelation of who Jesus was. 
Listen, there's no ministry without revelation. I said, you're ex- remember what I said at the start? I said, your ministry is an expression of your revelation. Peter had revelation, not from flesh and blood. No one told him. No one had even said it up until that point. It was Peter that heard it straight from God. He said, when people get a revelation of who Jesus is, there is some room for ministry expression. Church, listen to me. We need to have a revelation of who Jesus Christ is. Without a revelation of Jesus Christ and what He's done, there's no ministry expression for us. It is all about what He's done. And the Spirit actually helps to reveal that. So anyway, here's here's the point. He says that to him. And then (laughs) I don't know how much time was between that verse and the very next line in Scripture. Because after Peter has this amazing experience, he must have felt like he was a boss in that moment. He's like, yeah. I reckon he turned around to the disciples and said, hey, I hear straight from God, you know. And and, and so he's feeling pretty good about that. And then Jesus follows it up with, and by the way, uh, I'm also going to be killed. And in three days, I'm going to be raised, right? And Peter has a response to it. Can I read it to you? This is what he said. Matthew chapter 16, verse 22. It says, and Peter took him aside, being Jesus. Now, this is when you know (laughs) that things are going wrong when you start to rebuke Jesus. So what does he do? He says that he began to rebuke him, saying, Far be it from you, Lord, this shall never happen to you. But he turned and said to Peter, this is Jesus, he said, and I just want to give some relationship advice at this moment, right? Whatever Jesus is about to say, do not say this to your friends unless you don't want to keep them around. (laughs) He says to him, get behind me, Satan. I just can't see myself saying that to anyone. Get behind me, Satan, for you are a hindrance to me, for you are not setting your mind on the things of God, but the things of man. Well, what a flip that was. He's just being celebrated. Blessed are you. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, right? So he's hearing the voice of God. And in the very next paragraph, he's not listening to the voice of God. He's listening to the voice of man. And Jesus points out in that moment that somebody might have been feeding him that information because he said to him, get behind me, Satan. I just think that's wild. Listen, how do you know that God is really speaking to you? I mean, here's Peter. He, he says something. He thinks he's heard from God. And yet he said, that time you heard from God, that time you heard from Satan. He's got voices in his life. How do you know you're hearing from God? Apparently, even well-meaning friends can speak into your life with the best intention and it's still not the purposes of God. Yeah. And I think about that little moment that happened there and I reckon it would have appealed to Jesus. If I was Jesus and someone said, by the way, you don't have to die, I'd say, great, I've been looking for that word. Thank you. I will not die, right? Now, if Jesus had to listen to what appealed, if Jesus had to listen to the voice of man, if Jesus had to listen to that voice instead of the voice of God, he'd save his life, but we'd all be in trouble. Why? Well, now there's no gospel because no one's paid the penalty for our sins. No one. So who's going to do that? Well, guys, this is how it works. If Jesus doesn't pay the penalty for your mistakes, you have to. And if you have to, you'll be separated from Him forever. So He has to listen to the voice of God. And I realize these voices, well, when I look at this, these voices are so close together. Now, at the time when the Scriptures were being written, 
there was a lot of different ideas. Let's say a lot of noise about what Jesus had done. Lots of noise in all the churches. A lot of the apostles' teaching are against false doctrine, about things that weren't true. And one of the uh, thoughts that was gaining momentum and, and being revealed, not by people outside the church, but people that were inside the church, as it is, they were inside and they, and they believed in something that we call Gnosticism, which is like mysticism. It's like, if you wanna get saved, we'll reveal it to you, but it's wisdom and knowledge, right? Let me tell you something. It's not wisdom and knowledge. That is not how you are saved by God. The Bible says something totally different. You're saved by grace through faith in Christ. That's the only way. So Gnosticism sounds like the Illuminati to me. It's like, yeah, there's levels. And when you get there, we'll reveal to you what those, what, how to really get saved. Guys, it's this simple. Don't buy into any of that. It is this simple. If you believe that Jesus Christ has died on the cross for your sins and you put your faith in Him, believing He's paid the penalty in your place, you will be saved. You confess it with your mouth, you believe it in your heart, and the next logical step is baptism. Guys, if you're doing that, you're on your way. You're in a great place with God. And who reveals that? Well, it's the Holy Spirit, isn't it? It is the Holy Spirit that reveals that. Do you know the Scriptures say that you are dead in your sins? All right, let me ask you a question. How do dead people raise themselves up? Have you ever seen that? No, you haven't. Because the dead can't raise themselves. They need someone from the outside to come in. Who's the one from the outside that comes in? It's the Holy Spirit. And what He does is He imparts this significant truth to people. John, the Apostle, he understands that people are buying into all kinds of things. And he wants to set the church straight on what the Spirit is saying. So he writes this letter in 1 John. And here's what it says. Chapter 2, verse 27. He says, But the anointing. In the Old Testament, if they wanted to anoint someone, they would pour oil on them. And they would say, as they poured that oil, it would be significant or symbolic of them being set apart for a holy purpose. In the New Testament, when the Holy Spirit comes upon people, He anoints them. One of the symbols of the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures is oil. So the Spirit comes upon people and He reveals something, all right? It says, But the anointing that you receive from Him abides in you. And He says, You have no need that anyone should teach you. That's what He writes to them. The anointing will teach you. You have no need that anyone should teach you. Guys, what is the irony of that Scripture? He is teaching, okay? So what he's not saying is, once the Spirit comes upon you, go for your life. There's, there's no longer any need to be taught. No, John's teaching. What he's speaking about is the Spirit revealing something very specific. And he says, you have no need that anyone should teach you, but his anointing teaches you about everything and is true. What's that truth? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. The truth that the Spirit reveals is who Jesus really is. That's that truth. And He says, it's no lie, just as it has taught you, abide in Him. And He's talking about Jesus. The role of the Holy Spirit, it says this in John 16, 8, is to, it is to convict the world of sin, righteousness and of judgment. What that means is, is that somebody can be walking around and have no belief in God. No belief in God. And suddenly, they believe. You've seen this. 
Do you know how many people I've spoken to that wanted nothing to do with God, nothing to do with church, and suddenly they believe? What just happened? The Spirit went to work. And what did they do? They responded. And how did they respond? They gave their life to Jesus because they didn't know something and suddenly it was revealed to them and they had knowledge of something they never even believed to be true before. See, this is what we've got to get. The Spirit reveals what the Word declares. These two things go hand in hand. They work together. If the Spirit reveals something that the Word does not speak about or the Word does not reveal or something that's against this, that's when you start to know that you're in trouble. In order to get things, if you're trying to make decisions and you want to make sure you get it right, what you need is alignment. Alignment. What is the Spirit saying? What does the Word say? When you get alignment, you get permission to start to move. Does that make sense? All right. So if you get your Bible and you open it and you say, Spirit of God, speak to me. And you flip it open to the part where Jesus was talking to the rich man. And he goes, go sell everything that you have and come and follow me. What are you going to do with that? Didn't you just say, Spirit, speak to me? Now, it seems romantic, doesn't it? Sell everything for Jesus, right? Sell it, get rid of it, give it all away, right? It sounds romantic. But can you imagine if you actually did it? Like, what if you did? What if you sold everything? You sold your house, you sold your car, you sell your kids. No, I'm joking, you don't, you don't do that. But you sold, sometimes you might want, don't do that, right? But you, imagine this, right? You just sell everything. You give it all, the money in your bank accounts, you give it all away, right? And it might sound romantic, but I'll tell you right now, if it's not from God, you just made a significant mistake. So what do we need? We need alignment. I remember a guy came to me and he said to me, I really believe I'm called by God to be a DJ. And I said, keep talking. And he said, I believe I'm called to be a DJ and work in a very specific environment. And I told him, that's not true. (laughs) God didn't say that. Because of the environment that he was talking about working in, I knew that that was out of alignment with what Scripture said. I didn't really have to pray about it. I just knew it straight away. No, no, that's, that's not right. Sometimes people want something really bad. So they want to believe that the Spirit is saying it. So how do we figure this out? All right, let's do this. If the Word says no, but the Spirit says yes, don't do that thing. Don't do that. It's probably sin. Because the Bible says don't do that. If anybody ever comes to me and they say, look, I know technically for everyone else that they're not supposed to do it, but I really feel like the Spirit's giving me permission. I'd say, no, that, that is not the Spirit of God. Yeah, you are more confused than a bag of Skittles. Let me tell you, like you don't actually know how to hear the voice of God. That's, that's the problem there, right? Sometimes the Word says yes, but the Spirit says no. Well, if the Word says yes, what does that mean? Well, it means it's a good thing that you're doing. But it might be a timing issue. And if you get the timing wrong, it might not work. What do you need? Alignment. And the Word says yes, and the Spirit says yes, 
you develop something called conviction. And when you have a conviction about what God has asked you to do, you live with purpose. And you do because you know that your life is on track in the right direction. And I tell you, I tell you something about this, you need to live with conviction. I, I, I tell you, even if I'm up here and I'm speaking and I'm saying things, people with a lack of conviction over what the Word says or a lack of conviction, right? They don't go out and change their lives. I, I, I never try to, what's happening here is not convincing. I don't convince anyone of anything. If I could convince you of anything, someone will convince you out of it. But when the Spirit speaks to you and you get that inside your heart and you live with conviction, you know and no one can talk you out of it. Why? Because you have revelation. So let me ask you this, because people want to know, can I hear the voice of God? Can you hear the voice of God? How many of you have already given your lives to Jesus? Just put your hands up. Like if you're giving your life to Jesus, put your hand up. Say, that's me. I'll put it there. If you've ever wondered if you can hear the voice of Jesus, I'll tell you right now, you can. And how do I know? You already have. Because the only way that you gave your life to Jesus was not because someone stood here and convinced you. It was because the Spirit came and convicted you. And when the Spirit moves and the Spirit speaks, people respond to it. So you can't give your life to Jesus and say, I've never heard God because the very fact that you gave your life to Him is the evidence that you already can. It's just that sometimes someone comes along and tries to talk you out of it. They say, that's not true. Don't listen to that. I think you've got to, if you keep the Word in your hand and the Spirit in your heart, you've got everything that you need to grow in spiritual maturity. You've got everything you need. Word in your hand, Spirit in your heart. And you got it. Of course, there's so many things in life that are not in there. Like for example, like I remember trying to figure out, am I going to marry Pastor Sarah? And I had questions and I wish, I flick to Ecclesians. Um, it's not a book. Some of you just thought, I've never seen that. There's a good reason for that. I made it up. Ecclesians chapter one, you will marry Sarah. Oh, easy. <laughs> I didn't have that. So how am I going to make decisions like that? Because if we're going to be the people of God, we should be led by the Spirit of God, right? So how am I going to make a decision like that? Well, I have to make sure that when I think about getting married, I understand what marriage is about, which is about covenants, about a, a, a relationship with each other before God, and we entering into a covenant with God. I'm not trying to figure out if I should marry somebody. I have to look at the, the qualifications for people's character I, I read this and I say, you know, well, what should you look for if you're looking for a spouse? And you start to read some of these things and, and a lot of this will, will speak to character and belief systems and all of these things. Sometimes our filters are wrong. Sometimes people hear what they wanna hear. You know, do I marry this person, right? What's your filter? What's your criteria? Don't listen, don't marry someone just because they're really hot, okay? You go, but they're so hot. I really wanna marry this person, right? Don't do that. That's a bad idea. Let, let me tell you something about it. You made that decision now. Remember, 40 years later, things start to wrinkle. <laughs> Guys, things start to sag. Okay, just your body, it's just, you know. So here you are making a lifelong commitment. 
on someone because they're pretty hot and and then things don't start to work out because you base your decision on the wrong criteria. God, how did this happen? He's like, I'll tell you how it happened. You didn't read the Word. You didn't listen to me. I told you not to do it, but you did it. And now you're in this position. Don't blame me. I had nothing to do with it. You need some things to line up. God, what is my calling in life? What am I supposed to be doing with my, with my future? Well, the Bible says some things about calling. There should be some grace in your life. If you've got no grace for something, it's unlikely God's called you to do it. That's why I don't lead the worship team. There's no grace for it. If I thought I had grace and I step forwards and I lead people, everyone would say, you don't, it's wrong, stop. Right, so I don't do it. Because guess what, I, I know. So sometimes we do need people to speak into our lives and hear the voice of God. But what's my point? My point is there are things in here to help us make decisions. Whenever we make a decision, we're moving. But my whole point is if these things don't match, then you don't move. If the Spirit and the Word don't match, then you don't move. They've got to come together. Amen. What it means is sometimes you have to do the hard work of testing. You have to do the hard work of discerning. And I'll tell you this, some of you might make a decision in life and you find out, oh, that wasn't God. Don't feel bad about that. It's probably a pretty good thing because you just learned one more way that God doesn't speak to you. So it refines His voice for a future season. So the next time you listen, you're like, that's not Him. So don't feel bad about that. Test, examine, approve of what is the will of God because we don't have a... We don't often don't have an obedience problem. I think sometimes we've got a we've got a hearing problem. Amen. I want to pray for you today. Why don't you stand to your feet? Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.